Well, I've got Carolyn Jasinski on the line, and she's got an unusual story that arose out of her son going on his honeymoon. They married before Christmas, uh, going on his honeymoon and, and visiting something that was, well, let's just say a little bit gruesome. Carolyn, you, you turned that sort of uh, experience of your son into a story. Where did you publish the story? A uh, story is published in escape.com. Escape, so, yeah. so in yeah. the major newspaper around Australia. Yes, yeah. Okay, so yeah. just give us the gist of the story and then maybe some examples. Well, it, it as you said, it was prompted from Daniel on his honeymoon um, doing an intrepid tour. So they're looking at lots, but part of it was going to the killing fields at Phnom Penh. Right. And he was relaying this day he had in the killing fields and he was just... He just couldn't stop talking about it. It was horrifying, but it was also he just loved the experience. It's really hard to describe this because loving the experience sounds like it should be, um, you know, all fun and everything. But for him, it was a learning curve and it was unbelievable. His, the way he was describing it was he could not believe that people could be so horrible to each other. So, of course, the, the killing fields... Um, were part of Pol Pot's way. It was it was genocide. So it was his sure. way of getting rid of anyone who was of mixed uh, ethnicity or anyone considered intellectual. And they were, it was between 1975 and 79. So they gathered all these people and they, they took them to interrogation sites like S21. So S21 is this, an old school where they they shoved these prisoners in and basically they starved or tortured them and then they executed them. When the cells got too full, they sent them to rural labour camps um, like Chong Ek where this is part of the killing field. So that took care of the problem for them. Mm. And it's, it's, it's a horrible thing, but there was more than 2 million people killed so this is my son telling me this. He'd seen, you know, a movie about the killing fields but had no idea of what actually went on. So for him to learn about this was was just fascinating for him. And as I said, he was horrified but glad that he'd been there. So it sure. prompted me to think about all those gruesome destinations in the world where we go and, and see what's happened. So, you know, we might have an idea of what happened, but we don't really know the details of it. And sometimes, you know, you, you don't want to know the details. But I think it's the kind of destination that's really important to see. Right. Like a shrine in, almost, some of these things, I guess, now, are they? Oh, absolutely. Memorials. You know, right. there's there's different, different places all over the world where they are gruesome, but... I think they're the kind of place we need to have on show for the sake of humanity. Right. So pe- people don't really go there to. Uh, it's not. It's not a. Macabre. You're not taking selfies. Oh, da- yeah. You shouldn't be. Daniel said there were a couple at the killing fields, and they were very quickly given the death stare by other guests, yeah. other tourists. Um, yeah. So no, it's where you go to remember and learn and just pay your respect and hopefully people learn about these places and so the atrocities and the horrors don't happen again. Mm. So, so you had a personal experience, though, with a fairly gruesome destination. Talk, talk, 
talk us yeah. through that. So I've I've never written about this before or talked about it before, but it was really important. So it did make me think about Auschwitz. Uh, so I was 1989 and I was travelling around Europe and Rick, my husband, is Polish. So we went to um, Auschwitz as part of our our trip over there, big road trip. So we get to Auschwitz, which is the town where Auschwitz is. So Auschwitz is the it's the infamous World War Two death camp in yeah. Poland. So we went along and we'd heard so much about the horrors of World War Two from Rick's mum and dad. They came to Australia after World War Two, and uh, so we thought, well, we'll go and have a look. And and it is this is a there is a morbid fascination, <clears throat> excuse me, with the with the place, but it, it's more. You, you go along to think surely it can't all be as horrible as what they said it was, but it it is, and this is why it's so important to see. Um, you get to Auschwitz and there's rooms full of hair and there's thousands of spectacles and shoes and piles of suitcases with family names, you know, proudly painted on them by the poor unsuspecting owners who thought that, you know, if I paint my name on this, then my suitcase will end up wherever I'm going to stay. And, of course, they, they weren't. They were all gassed. Yes. Um, well, Auschwitz was where Hitler sorted the people. So he sorted those who were destined for Birkenau, which is probably, you know, just as well known for the gas chambers, and to those other political prisoners who who stayed at Auschwitz. So Auschwitz was... And in the in the words of the the guides, and I quote this was only one gas chamber at Auschwitz. Oh, okay. So it's it's I, I, these words are just coming back. So the, so we went on this tour, but it's not really a tour; it's more an education. So the people are they just want to tell the story. And at the time, German school students were uh, taken to Auschwitz and other concentration camps to tell them what happened in the hope that they, it never happened again. Right. And I think that's really important. So so we were there for the day and it we couldn't find anywhere to stay. There wasn't a room anywhere in Auschwitz, the town. And they said, oh, you can stay out at Auschwitz. You can now, stay at Auschwitz? Yes. So, oh, which is, how did you feel about that? Well, not good. But uh, to be honest, at the time, after... After seeing everything and taking it in, it felt right. It felt almost like a a tribute to the people who survived okay. and and trying to it it just left me with a really deep sadness for the people who perished, but absolute awe for those ones who survived. Right. So just you know, we stayed the night. We didn't sleep, of course, because kind of haunted by the lost souls of mm. you know. People that so died what sort there. of a room did you stay in? We stayed in the in the German SS garrison quarters, so it's very sterile. It was it was you know three single beds in this open room, which was kind of fitting. So were you the only residents there for the night? Were you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We were the only ones there. Did you get breakfast? <laughs> no. I hate no. to ask such a basic question, but I'm just curious as to whether this is a thing that happens often. No, I, and I believe they don't do it anymore, thankfully. Right. Um, but you know, as a as a journo, it, it it's 
probably something I could have written about a long time, but I don't look at it as a scoop or anything like that. Yeah. It's, I've never written about it before. Right. But I did on this story because I think it was... It fitted in with the other the other. It, and it's, I think it's an important story. I mean, there's there's other places, other concentration camps like um, Dachau yeah. and Mauthausen. Um, so these were all places where, well, Dachau was Jews, Catholics, homosexuals, communists, anyone who was considered to be inferior. Um, they were they were forced uh, labor camps, mm. but Dachau was where they also did medical. Experiment, experimentation. Oh, okay. And then Mauthausen, uh, that's in northern Austria. So they were starved or gassed, or they were put to work in the in the granite quarry until yep. they died. Yeah. So you know there were ways of getting rid of people. So it's not not what you might consider a good tourist destination, mm. but I th- think I think it is. I think it's. It's really important. You know, there, you, there's places that look at the horrors of war and genocide, but you've got man-made tragedies. Um, look at um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki in Japan. Yeah. So there's memorials set up there, uh, of course, the atomic bombs uh, in World War Two. So the, the memorial there, there's buildings that are exactly as they were after the war, after the the bomb hit, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, so you can go there and have a look. It's a very, very popular place for veterans. Mm. They go there, you know, to – but they, they go to remember their own friends, their comrades, and they also go to pay respect, really. Um, yeah. And you've got Marambi in Rwanda. Now, that was uh, another example of genocide. So there's about a million Tutsis killed – in Rwanda by militia, right, and and there's um, there's proof on display which is pretty confronting. Uh, so there's skulls and images of piled up bodies at Kigali. That's the the memorial. So this, and and they've done that in a way so that no one can deny it happened. There are and still the Holocaust deniers though, and. Uh, yeah. You know, and it, it, we see in in the International Court of Justice at the moment, there's South Africa suggesting that uh, the Israelis are uh, um, entertaining genocide with with the with the Gaza Strip. Um, you know, and and of course we hear about China apparently um, with the Uyghurs, etc. So it's sort of, you know, does the world really? Not forget? Does does the world um, content to let history repeat itself? Well, it's just a it's a horrible thing, isn't it? I mean, look at the Ukraine and and yeah. the, and, and you know the the war going on the Gaza Strip. So, God, why can't we learn? Maybe yeah. all these people should go to all these places and and try to see that. And it's the lasting horror. I mean, they're yeah. they're, they're horrible events. Events even are bad word but horrible situations that should never be repeated mm. but you know the other places that people go to like um battle sites yeah so i went to gallipoli at the 100th anniversary of the the gallipoli landing yeah. so that was 2015 so my granddad was the last surviving gallipoli veteran in south australia oh right so tom, tom epps so and um so i 
I learnt a lot from Grandad about, about what went on, but not until the 75th anniversary of the landing. So it took him that long to be able to talk about it. I think they're all like that. They've, maybe it yep. was so horrible that they couldn't bring it to mind. And also it was a generation where they didn't talk about stuff. Uh, you just got on with life. Yeah. And, yeah. It's a know, sign of weakness to show emotion about things like this, you know. Yeah. Grown yep. men don't cry and all the rest of it. That's right. Thankfully yeah. now they're, they're over that kind of attitude. But we went to Gallipoli and we toured the sites. Um, and touring is, is a bad word again. We we walked the sites. And as we were going around these battlefields, I had his words in, in my head just telling me, you know, Chinook Bear, I remember him telling me how they fought there and he was in a trench. And, you know, he saw his best mate drown in his own blood and I had these thoughts going through my mind so it's it was really confronting Mm. but again I came away um, with a deeper understanding of what they went through Um, and then we went on to the western front so I knew very little about what he had done in the western front so he had put his age up a year and his father had put his age down yeah that happened a bit I think yeah, so so when he was transferred to the Western Front, he asked to go to the cycle brigade so that he could be with his father. Right. And so they served there. So we actually went around on a battlefield tour around the Western Front. So that was fascinating what you learn. And um, the historians that take these trips know their stuff and you know we'd be at a little village looking down over this picturesque valley and and the historian would put his hand on my arm and say this is mm. where your granddad was and it it it's just so important it just makes you realize what people have gone through mm. um, well i don't think um your gruesome sights idea is ever going to make the Women's Weekly World Discovery Tour agenda <laughs> no itinerary no, no. but i guess in our own way you know, if we visit a battlefield, well, maybe it's because of a family relationship there. or uh, But, I mean, just going to the Shrine or the War Memorial in Canberra um, slows you down a bit. It's very moving. Mm. It, it is, yeah. Well, you've got Pearl Harbour, uh, yep. Normandy in Dunkirk in France. Yep. Um, there's Kanchanaburi in Thailand. and uh, Oh, that's the Burma Railway, yeah? Yes, yeah. yeah. And then you've got Vietnam, so... I went to the Coochie Tunnels. Yes. And I was fascinated with the Coochie Tunnels. And when I was there, I learned so much more about it. I thought, I, I honestly went to see it because I'd heard about the tunnels and how you could go into the tunnels and, and witness what they were like. And you can, you can, you can, they've actually made one of the Coochie Tunnels bigger and wider for us fat Westerners. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But going through them brings you to a point where you go, I can't believe that people lived in these tunnels. And the mm. Coochie tunnels that were used in the Vietnam War, which in Vietnam is called the American War, yeah, um, they were actually built years earlier for the French invasion. And yeah. they're, they're stunningly simple but brilliant. So it was the way that they escaped attacks and also from where they launched attacks so depending on which side you're on but to see uh the traps they laid and how simple but how effective they were 
Um, it's just, it's horrible. It's it's very very confronting, but yeah. it's it's also a way of of trying to understand that you know each side of of the war had their own. You know, if you were invaded, this is what you would do to protect yourself. So it's all about the wins and the losses and the hardships and the sacrifices and and all those things are remembered and and honoured at memorials. Mm. So, so Chernobyl. I <laughs> Chernobyl's not a place where I would. I don't think head I'd be to... rushing to go there, but still, isn't it still radioactive? Yes, parts of it are, but there are parts where you can go. What well, you can't go now, of course, because of the the no. war over there. So, how's that for ironic? You know, you, you'd think going there would be a warning of, you know, of how man can affect the world with the the nuclear reactor. Um, and when that erupted, it destroyed everything in its wake. Yes. But people are fascinated by, you know, the ruin, the the empty buildings and the the deserted streets and things. It's yes, it, time sort of stands still in a place like that because yeah. uh, people either died at the desk or, um, f- or were able to flee. Probably not a case of Chernobyl. Well, but, there's still people yeah. living there now. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah. and then of course the you know the the probably one of the memorials that people know best is the nine eleven memorial, and museum. Yes, well I made a point of going to see that. Um, what did you think of it? Well, I stayed in a, in the hotel. I think it was called the Millennium Hilton, which is right on the edge of it. Right. And so I had a room looking over the hole. At that point, they they hadn't oh. built. They hadn't built the tower, the glass tower or whatever's there now. Right. And I was awake most of the night. I was sort of photographing things and then I went out the next morning and sort of sort of close inspection. But, yeah, I just couldn't believe it, actually. It, it's, um, you know, I had been in World Trade Centre. Um, I'd been yes, yeah. under it in a train station underneath it. Um, wow. So I sort of felt like I'd experienced it as it was and to, to see it. You know, as it was then left, basically. I mean, they'd cleaned it up, but it was still a hole in the ground, basically. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty amazing. But that like, draws yeah, like, that draws so many people. Sure. And it's not just because that's where the horrible events happened. It's people go to pay respect and to remember. Sure. And hopefully, although, you know, the current warfare around the world shows it's not not always true, but it's it's hopefully to make sure the mistakes of the past never happen again. Yeah. Okay. Fingers crossed. Well, that's that's all you can do because, um, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction and what, mm. what humankind will do if it can is just beggar's belief. Yeah. You know, anyway. So it's, it's a sad story, but and it made me cry writing it, to be honest. Did it? Uh, yeah, I thought of Auschwitz and I thought of... My granddad at Gallipoli and on the Western Front, and and I think that's a good thing. Mm. I think if it makes me cry writing it, then hopefully it'll affect people in a way where, you know, they might decide one day to go to go visit or at least take notice of, you sure. know, some of the horrible things that have happened. Right. Have you got a link to the story? I can send you a link, yes, definitely. Okay, well, we'll put that in the show notes. So if people want to read Carolyn's 
story, which was in Escape, um, then uh, they they can do that, and uh, um, after they've listened to our conversation about it. So, uh, thanks so much, Carolyn. Something a little bit different, a bit sombre. Yes, uh, but yes. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, to tell us that story. Thanks, Graham. That was our reporter, Carolyn Jasinski there talking about gruesome places that you can visit. And maybe you've never visited or wanted to visit a gruesome destination, but perhaps you've got something unusual, a bit different, slightly edgy. We'd love to hear from you. Info at travelwritersradio.com and we might put your story to air. This is The Travel Writer Show.